This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Hello and welcome to Disaster Girls, a podcast about disaster movies. I'm your host, Amanda Smith, and with me today, guest, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what movie you've brought us today? Hi. Hi, Amanda Smith. I'm Adam Amin, and I today have brought to us the 1994 hit Speed. Incredible. Adam, I mean, so I've never seen the movie up until now, but do you? Oh did you God. see it at the time? What's your history with Speed? So this feels like one of those movies that if you had, uh, even if you didn't have cable, but especially if you had cable or uh, you had like the Saturday movie of the week mm -hmm. in like the 2000s, maybe even in, into the late 90s, this was just on a lot. It just seemed like it was just on. Oh, Fox is playing Speed or USA Network has Speed on. And it definitely falls into the category of like, like a, like a, cable legend like a legendary cable movie to me because yeah. it's just one of those movies that you grow up with and even if you didn't see it in theaters i was only like seven or eight years old when this movie came out in theaters so obviously i hadn't seen it until you know much later after that but it just was on tv a lot mm -hmm. and there's not a whole lot that's edited out you know there's some obviously some swearing and um, maybe some, but there's not like that much graphic violence in it. Really, yeah. it's it. There's it's more just kind of a hold on to your butts action movie. I definitely, and I know we'll get into it, but you know, the 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 scene at the end, spoiler, where Dennis Hopper gets his head knocked yeah. off. Maybe you didn't see that specifically on cable, and I had to wait a little while to get the full experience of it. But it's just a movie that was on all the time, and it's a classic. Night mid '90s summer blockbuster action movie that that has stuck with me, and I imagine just about everybody who originally saw it for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it's the the youth of today will never know the joy of coming into a movie halfway through because you're channel surfing and you're like, I think I recognize that guy, and then all of a sudden yeah. it's been 45 minutes and you've watched half of a movie that you've never seen the start of. A hundred percent. That's what it, and this is what it is. It's a draw you in movie. Yeah, we're doing this. We're locked in. And like if if you fall into you know, the bus is about to launch itself. Well, I got to see this. I got to watch this. And oh, there's only, you have to see they made it. And there's only like 40 minutes left. And I don't really have to do mm -hmm. this thing yet. So yeah, let's just sit down and wait till Dennis Hopper's head comes out. From the outside, I didn't realize that this involved an elevator, a bus, and a subway. I thought this was just bus based. It's <laughs> what a bounty of like travel related disaster this movie brings us. Because of course, we start with Dennis Hopper as like the evil mad bomber who has rigged up in a an office tower, has rigged up explosives to detonate on this elevator and it, unless he gets $3 million. And that's just the first 30 yeah. minutes. Like, we don't even get Sandra Bullock or a bus. No bus shows up until minute 25 of this. That's film. incredible to think of, too, because the, the, and these are like multiple set pieces, you know, and it's and it, they're yeah. all really they're very 90s for sure. Like the elevator scene to start the movie, even the first shots of like they're kind of scrolling down you know, through every floor yeah. of, of this building and then the fonts, like these big blue block letter font of Keanu Reeves mm -hmm. and Dennis Hopper and Speed. It just looks very, 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 very 90s. Uh, and then you see who yeah. else is in the movie. You're like, I know that person or that name seems familiar. And then as the movie goes on, it's just a treasure trove of 90s character actors that everybody knows like the face of, but maybe doesn't know the name of. It's it's such yeah. a strong 19... 
90s, like really early to na- uh, mid-1990s movie. Uh, you know, Jan DeBont directed this. I think this is like his feature debut as a director. And he's a great cinematographer and he was a cinematographer for Die Hard. And this mm-hmm. obviously has a lot of footprint of Die Hard in this movie, as many movies, many action movies did throughout the 90s. But like, this is like pretty well shot. And when you consider who directed it, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. This guy was pretty good. Oh, yeah. It's it's an interesting movie because like it does kind of fall right. It's this perfect bridge between Die Hard and then Twister, which he does in 96 or 97. Six, I want to yeah, say. Yep. So it's a really nice bridge between the two because you've got like the the Die Hard vibes, but then the way that he mixes in sort of the 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 comedy as well as the cast of characters and the feeling that you get that like you know all of the people on that bus in the same way that as soon as you meet all of the twister crew you're just like i know these people and i want to spend hours with everybody maybe not so much with dusty because he seems like a lot but like (laughs) otherwise you want to spend a lot of time with the whole twister crew which you got alan ruck or alan ruck yeah right Yeah, 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 yeah 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 I had a brief moment of like, wait, am I screwing this up and confusing him with a character <laughs> name? But no. So you got him like, which he's great in this, like just in the smallest yeah. part. But his little like, like his excited Midwestern tourist is just mm-hmm. really, really endearing. I, but you love I loved everybody on that bus. Uh, I was rooting Beth Grant. I mean, I was rooting for her. Poor Beth Grant. Poor, Poor Beth, Beth Grant, Grant who plays Helen. Helen. Like you get you, they do a really nice job. And I know a lot of these are tropes. Yeah. Like. We're not. We we clearly see that these are tropes of characters. Uh, not offense. I wouldn't say they're offensive tropes, but like they have like a little tinge of of stereotype yeah. in there. Yeah. I nothing that I you know as a I'm a minority. I'm not offended by that. But to to everybody's mileage may vary, and that's okay. But they don't like they they do a really good job, and I do think this movie is very well written. Graham Yost wrote it. Mm-hmm. And he's got a really nice resume. And, and to this day, he's created a bunch of really good shows, Justified included. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's actually very well written. You get what you need to in these little, certainly like, you know, 101 writing class versions. But you, yeah. it's what you need in an action movie where you're going to be focused on the action, obviously, as the movie goes on. And you're really going to be a, attentive of the three to five main characters in this, they really do fill out the edges of this movie very, very well with Ortiz and the guy who ends up shooting Sam, the bus driver, mm-hmm. even he, his, he's got like five lines in this whole thing. And you're like, I respect the journey, man. you committed a crime. You freaked out. You shot the cop. You got, you know, handcuffed to the, to the pole in the bus. Keanu Reeves was basically like, Hey man, it's cool. I didn't mean to shoot the guy. Then you're helping out. I don't see him out of the back of the bus. Like you, you kind of, spend just enough time with everybody and they say just the right things Mm -hmm. to really in a short amount of page a short amount of screen time you really kind of get the fleshed out versions of why these people are acting the way they do oh yeah it's i i read there's a um there was i guess a few years ago somebody had written a like oral history where he gotten where they got in touch with like most of the the cast I didn't get a chance to read it, but like I kept imagining, I kept imagining like what would the reunion like be without these people? Oh my people? god! It, I mean, it's really cool. And it's like a fascinating group of people. And they, one of the actors, uh, who I can't remember, his, I can't remember his name at the moment because I didn't pull up my, I don't have it still pulled up. But like, 
um, one of the actors who's a Latino guy was like was talking about how in the original script, each of the characters on the bus really is has a hero moment and like is very much more central. And then it kind of shifted over time. And that one of the things he was most bummed about and most upset about with the script was that shift away from like each of the bus characters that everyone got their hero moments and got a moment to like, this is what they're good at. And mm-hmm. that we kind of moved away from it to have, you know, Keanu Reeves and be the hero in a more focused way, which like it does move better than if you spent a lot of time with all the different characters. Yeah. I've seen enough disaster movies at this point with large ensembles where you can see where it drags when you're like, I just, I don't need that much about these characters when they're not mm-hmm. going to be around the whole time. But yeah, to your point, they do such a good job of just, you 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 so instantly connect with everybody on that bus and you so instantly just like care about all of them. And then they the fact that they're able to then move through it and that you you then lose them for the last third of the movie and like the movie's still good but you feel that loss you miss that community because they're really fun they did a great job with bringing together this cast that you just want to see more of you want to see them on screen it's a it's a tremendous thing i agree uh wholeheartedly and especially like you know they get they get into arguments like ortiz Mm -hmm. uh you know gigantor or whatever uh you know, he's, hey, man, I got a wife. Yeah. Oh, so that makes you me expendable and you're not. And like, you're like, hey, man, if I were in that position yeah. that, you know, this this guy is feeling, the guy with the long hair, I, I don't even think they ever mentioned like a name for him. Yeah. But like when when he says that, like I can imagine somebody getting frustrated in a harrowing situation oh, and everybody's, sure. you know, tensions are getting higher and higher. I can imagine somebody saying like, oh, so because you have a wife, that means you're more important than me. And Ortiz is like, no, man, this guy's just talking crazy. I'm trying to settle people down. Yeah. Now everybody's arguing and Kiana has to turn around. Jack has to turn around and, and diffuse everything. Uh, and, and it's just like you get what you need to. You see... Helen is mm-hmm. Beth, you know, Beth Grant. Helen is super annoying when she first shows up. Yeah. But Annie, Sandra Bullock's character, knows her, knows Helen. Yeah. Helen's talking about how tense she is on the bus or, uh, you know, driving. And she's so happy to be on the bus mm-hmm. because it's just less stressful than driving. You see the these little zoom in shots that they get of the characters in like little key moments. Mm-hmm. Like when they're about to jump uh, the bus, Alan oh Ruck's God. character, like his head goes down when... You know, Sam gets mm-hmm. helped off the bus when when uh, Dennis Hopper's character is like, "All right, you get you let the driver off," and they help Sam off, and they have like this quivering face of of Helen, and she's like, uh, "I want to get off the bus," and Annie, I have to, and they're trying to stop her, and mm-hmm. you know that first step explodes like these little itty bitty moments. Even the 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 small woman that has the purse on loop that you see, like you know, she kind of messes up. Mm-hmm. She kind of messes up by, by moving around. Like, that's a key moment for her. And she does a great job of just kind of yeah. like little subtle things. I, I think that's... Yeah. There's a lot of fun action movies from the mid to mid 80s to the mid 90s or in you know into the late 90s a lot of great action movies but the ones that you remember independence day sticks out in in this sense to me where you feel like you care about the peripheral characters enough it doesn't have to be the whole thing but you have to care about them enough to where you're invested not just in keanu reeves and sandra bullock and Jeff Daniels and Joe Morton, but you're invested in all these people. And I think they did a very, very good job with dialogue in short spurts, good callbacks. Like th- this is a well-written action movie in my estimation. Absolutely. Yeah. And and to um, it was Ortiz, the guy who played Ortiz, uh, Carlos-, Carlos Carrasco. Yeah. He was the one who in the, in the oral history was like, 
I was kind of pissed because, you know, I had hero moments that were completely written out. So he but they're all like what's interesting is that they're all likable without any of them having some sort of emotional heavy story. A lot of the time you get like, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm trying to go see my daughter because she's in chemotherapy and it's my last chance to resign. And you're like, listen, this is a lot of information to learn about you when I don't know what your name is. And yeah. you're only going to be on screen for five minutes. But all these people are just like, man, these are just people who didn't want they shouldn't have been on this bus. Yeah. I think when the movie gets to the final portion uh, after the the company mm-hmm. gets off the bus and, and is able to escape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the movie kind of goes into a very I mean there's there's a lot of suspension of disbelief in this movie, but it really goes off the rails. Oh yeah. When the rest of the of, of the company is is has escaped. And the only thing keeping that that middle portion of the movie on the ground is your investment in not for sure Keanu and Sandy, because I I very much would yeah. like to spend a couple minutes for both of us objectifying both of them. But oh, for sure, we're gonna have to do that. <laughs> but I would very much like to do that. Uh, but the thing that's kind of keeping this movie grounded in amongst all the suspension mm-hmm. of disbelief is I don't want anything bad to happen to these people, especially right. when Helen dies and you're like, oh, this is real. Yeah, like she just they they killed one of them off, and it's an older woman. <laughs> like that's that's crazy that they killed her off. Like the only thing keeping this movie on the ground, so to speak, is your investment in the peripheral characters. Yeah. Which to go to the the Keanu and Sandy of it all, like one of the things that's so funny or like striking about this movie is that you've got these extremely normal looking people on this bus. Yeah. Like specifically what they were looking to cast was it, they wanted to cast people who look like they'd be on an LA city bus. Sure. They wanted people to look normal. And then by contrast, <laughs> you have 1994 Keanu Reeves. Oh my God. <laughs> Yoked. He is so yoked to this. He's, he's so this is the most yoked he's, to this. This is the most, I think, the most jacked he's ever been in a movie. He's not this jacked in the Matrix movies. He's big, but not like shredded in John Wick in the John Wick movies. He is yeah. in shape, man. And you see some veins in the arms, and he is that white t-shirt that gets dirtier as the movie goes on is working for him. And then it's and then it's and the Chino's good hugging his ass. So snug. they should they you get you get a great view of it on the tr- on the top of the train where he's crawling oh to you know God. try to get closer now I I didn't really notice it until that shot yeah. towards the end and I was like oh yeah they they wanted to show some zoomed in ass of Keanu because he earned it <laughs> of course he as you should you have to showcase this absolutely beautiful specimen of human like that's the thing that's like as you're watching this movie it's like a lot has been said about Keanu Reeves acting. For better and for worse. Sure. And I don't want, I am not here to denigrade one of our nation's treasures. <laughs> of course not. That being said, you don't cast Keanu Reeves in 1994 in a movie because of the way he delivers dialogue. You cast it for the fact that he sits there silently. Yes. <laughs> and good Lord, he is good at being yeah. silent. There's some, there's something to that. He's really good at it. I actually would like to uh, mm. call back to uh, one of your prior mm-hmm. guests on this podcast, Van Lathan. Uh, was I heard him on a podcast where they were talking about The Devil's Advocate recently, yeah. another Keanu Reeves movie from like a few years later, I think 97, if I'm not mistaken. And they were discussing like his, he has a blankness to mm-hmm. him that actually he makes work. And I'm sure the scripts that he's been a part of 
often yeah. make it work for him. And a lot of the movies where Keanu, Keanu isn't great or the movie itself isn't great is because the dialogue is trying to get him to do a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. But the movies he's at his best... The Matrix, the John Wick movies, this movies, at least the yeah. action movies that, that he's great at. And I, I haven't seen a lot of the romantic comedy stuff that he's done. And I do know that he's had some really good performances in some of them. But what works for him in these action movies is, and again, I'm calling back to what Van said, is the blankness that he get, uh, brings because you can kind of have the dialogue that you have and some of the line readings that yeah. you have and some of the absurd situations that you have. And you're like, it feels like Keanu's the right guy for these somehow because he's so blank mm -hmm. and so kind of like dead faced at times. Yeah. And I don't mean that as an insult, just kind of like this, this steady blankness that he has. You can kind of almost like a blank canvas. You can just fill in what you need to. And he just fits the situation. And as long as the dialogue and the script isn't too heavy, he's going to make it work mm -hmm. for him. And there are not very many actors that could pull off some of the dialogue that are better actors probably than Keanu Reeves that couldn't make some of his dialogue work because the blankness works in his favor somehow. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's just like, this is about as beautiful as I can ever remember oh. Keanu Reeves being in a movie. The haircut is phenomenal in this. And apparently he showed up with like his head shaved and the whole crew was like, yeah. oh boy, that's not good. That's yes. not what we want. So they let it grow in a little bit, which was a great decision because this is... I think this is as, like about as good looking as Keanu has ever been in a movie. Yeah. I mean, like the the blankness of Keanu is fascinating because it's so like one, um, I think that it's such a it's such a move. Like we've moved so far away from that and what we expect from our action heroes now. We're like he gets I mean, look, he gets his his couple of lines where he gets to like have his his finisher kind of sentences. Sure. But sure. for the most like he's really just he's such so the opposite of what we consider an action hero now like he's not in the ryan reynolds vein he's not in the dwayne you know dwayne johnson vein of like mm -hmm. i'm gonna have witty rejoinders and there's gonna be a lot of like can you believe this and part of what works so well in speed is that he gets told there's a bomb on the bus and the bus can't go under 50 miles an hour and at no point does he question <laughs> any of the reality yeah. of that he's just like this is what i've been told this is the threat I'm not going to bring up how fucking absurd this is or like, why is that what you chose? Why did you choose 50? Like, he's just going to go. I am. He takes it straight. Um, and yeah. And there was, I think my first exposure to Keanu Reeves of all things was in um, the replacements. Sure. The movie about the scab football yep. players. Yes. Why that is something that I've seen and I didn't get to see speed <laughs> until 2023. I don't know, but I saw that in theaters anyway. The thing like that, oh, there was one line and that I thought was like hilarious, but also great. And it was the it, it was Gene Hackman saying, you know, you're like a duck on the water up on the surface. You look still, but down below you're paddling like crazy just to stay afloat. And the thing and at the time I was like, well, that's so stupid. And then later I was like, that's a great sentence. Actually, I take it back. <laughs> but the thing about about Keanu was that, yeah, he's got that like the the duck on the surface. And because he's got that duck on the surface kind of like calm blankness, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it You can then go, okay, there's no way that's actually, like, there's got to be some something else happening behind it. And you kind of go with it and you, you just kind of trust him implicitly as a result. It's amazing. It's an incredible. Yeah. Regardless, re regardless of the absurdity yeah. of the situation, you're like, he seems like the right guy for this to be happening to. Absolutely. Like, he, he can handle this. Keanu can handle, you know, Lawrence Fishburne giving him the pill or he can handle... 
you know, assassins across New York mm-hmm. City chasing him to try to kill him, and he barely says any words over the course of a two-hour movie. Like, yeah. you're like, yeah, that seems to just fit Keanu. It just fits. It works because there's something about the the way that he can telegraph things with just kind of his body language and maybe however much we are projecting onto him. It just fucking works. It works. And it, he is absolutely the only person you could possibly have cast in Devil's Advocate because you have to have somebody else who is silent in every scene while Nick Cage is Nick Cage, while Al Pacino is bouncing off of the fucking walls. That was another movie I didn't come to until a few years ago. And I was like, how mm. have I lived my whole life without this? <laughs> same. Yeah. Same. I, and and I, I think the other, and that you make a great point about Pacino yeah. because he's doing so much in Devil's Advocate. I think because Keanu has that blankness, it really a lot. I think Jeff yeah. Daniels is great in this, and I and obviously Sandra Bullock is yeah. amazing in this movie. And and I said earlier, like the only thing keeping the middle of the movie on the ground and in in somewhat in reality is yeah. the the peripheral cast. But Sandra Bullock is doing the most to try to keep this grounded. And the last probably what thirty minutes or so when when they and everybody escapes the bus, and now you move on to the the final train sequences, like. It's Bullock's performance that makes that that keeps this movie in any sense of reality yeah. with the absurdity of everything that's going on. Her performance keeps pulling you back in to try to make sure that you stay invested regardless of how stupid the situation might come across or how how much uh, suspension of disbelief yeah. you have to deal with in this movie. It's Bullock doing everything that she's doing and she's able to do that because Keanu's blankness kind of allows everybody else to fill in those gaps and, and fill in the kind of he's he's maybe the skeleton of it and every he allows everybody else to be the blood and the muscle that's a great way yeah absolutely agree with that that's, a, and that's such a good way to put it yes and so yeah let's move on to the sandra bullock of it um oh, yes of, oh my god like what just there was a moment as i was he was leaning over her shoulder and i'm just looking at these two just absolutely gorgeous humans oh and i was like how amazing how are these like <laughs> how do i share the genetic material like the basic <laughs> stuff like the embryonic basic stuff to create that and yet yeah. like how that doesn't seem possible she i mean sandra bullock is the all-time I, as far as i'm like meg ryan's great love meg ryan sandra bullock is my 90s sure. rom-com queen like as no Same. question yeah and I think um again I I know we we I I I ask for grace for a few minutes to, in the in this to to be able to oh, objectify no, respectfully objectify Sandra There's Bullock. There's no way not to. Um, She's the most beautiful human who's ever lived in this movie just like Keanu Reeves is the most beautiful human who's ever lived in this movie. They're just they're just rocket oh ships like together and like the like they're just made of jet fuel like how hot yeah. they are. Um you the from the moment Sandra Bullock comes on she's she's on fire. She's like yelling mm-hmm. at Sam, Sam, Sam like she's screaming at the bus driver. The bus driver is smiling yeah. and he's like, "Oh, that's that Annie." And like you're already in love with her. You're already like, "I don't know who this girl is, but I want to see what what she's about to do." This magnetic uh, smile and even she's smiling. He's like, "Put your butt out." She's smoking a cigarette in the morning, so I already want to know. Like, oh, did she have like what was she doing last night? You know, she's got her coffee yeah. and she's late for the bus and she's smoking a Marlboro or something. It's like I want to, I want to party with Annie, and then I want her to save me as well. It's just this magnetism that she had, and I hadn't. I, I'm not sure. I didn't re- go back and look at her um, resume, but she had maybe had like one or two 
decent roles prior, but this was obviously yeah. like people were like, who the hell is that woman? Because they show her face. The first time they like lock in on her face after the, the Keanu stuff starts happening and mm-hmm. like she's trying to stand up for everybody on the bus, like, sir, you have to tell yeah. us. And, and Keanu's trying to, you know, set up the situation. And she jumps into action when she starts driving the bus for Sam. And like when they start to lock in on her face, you cannot help but to just get sucked in. She's got these beautiful eyes, this wry smile, this little smirk that she has. She's making those bangs work for oh her in this movie. As, as It's tough to do at any point, but especially in the mid-90s, yeah. like she's making that hairstyle work. She's got like, when she finally loses the sweatshirt and you finally kind of, after they get off the bus and she's kind of roaming around, like she like her she her body looks great. Like she just looks like sleek and cool and beautiful. Yeah. And I don't doubt that every woman was like, I wanna I wanna be Sandra Bullock. And every man was like, I want Sandra Bullock. Like she is a complete rocket ship. Yeah, I, I watching this, I'm like, I don't know, like I recognize that my straightness is is ingrained at this point and there was no escaping it. But I also watch this and I'm like, I would have questioned my like I, I would be attracted to Sandra Bullock in this. Like it's, it's how I felt about Keanu. Yeah. I, it's it's how I feel about Keanu too. Like like I'm 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 ingrained as I am, but like I look at yeah. that man and I look at that woman. And I go, I don't care. I'm just I'm in for both yeah. of you. I'm there in for certain, both of you at this there moment. There are certain celebrities who are just so not just attractive but magnetic in certain ways. They're just like magnetic. I don't, I don't whatever. Sure, I'm in. I don't care. I'm flexible yeah. now. Yeah, Sandra Bullock <laughs> in this is is truly like a a what's rubric setting like she is a definition of deeply hot celebrity in this and it's ridiculous and and well it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help any of us who would love to be uh in the in the midst of that heat like their scenes together is like their tension build up in this movie is incredible the chemistry is off the charts and I, I know we'll, we'll discuss it as we get closer to the end of it, but, and not to be too crass, but boy, are those two going to oh, fuck at the end of this movie. <laughs> fuck. I, when I was watching them at the end of the movie, like I tweeted this out, but as I was watching the end of the movie and they are making out on that subway car and like all the tourists in Hollywood are gathering around <laughs> taking pictures. I'm like, let them fuck you guys. Let them fuck. Stop getting in the way of this. They need you bone down right this second and you all need to let that happen Please, get out this of there let these two do their thing and and let us kind of just have i just kind of want to be like you know i would this is the one voyeuristic moment i would love to have yeah, like i want to see these two they go- are go- those are two people like a lot of the time with these movies you watch you're like okay obviously they have to be love interests at this point because it's the only man and the only woman and that's how hollywood works but like in this you watch it and the whole time you're like these are two people who even if they hadn't met under these circumstances, they still might not have gotten along, but they absolutely would have sex with each other. Yeah, I, I think that that's accurate. Like it's just undeniable in this. And there are a few moments when he's crouching next to her and like the way that he looks at her and you're just like, yeah. Yep. But the seminal moment, the pivotal moment, of course, is when they escape the bus yeah. in his yes. tender embrace. Yes. I don't know. If Yandabont knew at the time how deeply sexy that shot was going to be. Yes. But Keanu Reeves wrapping himself around Sandra Bullock to like skateboard out underneath the bus <laughs> to escape the bomb. And he's just holding her in his tender embrace while they skate along a fucking the, the tarmac at the airport. 
unbelievable. It's, it's me and who is what I, I want to know. Like when? Yeah, it's it's when it clicks when you're like because you've been feeling it a little bit and like they're a little flirty and like yeah. uh, when when Jack. Uh, finds out that Harry dies when when Keanu finds out that Jeff Daniels' yes. character has has been killed by the bomber, and he breaks down mm-hmm. uh on the bus and he's screaming and th- slamming his phone and and you know pulling the railing yeah. and you know Sandra Bullock has to calm him down. It's like I need you. I can't do this without you. And like it's tender, mm-hmm. but you also feel like oh this is like these two like are in together. And then he settles down. And turns around to look at the rest of the passengers who are all scared because the the guy who's in charge is freaking out. Yeah. And they and and she reaches while she's driving the bus, reaches over and holds his hand. And I'm like, oh my god, I am so invested in these two. That's the moment where I'm like, yes, I don't care what happens. I need these two to survive, and I need these two to be together somehow. Just in that little moment. And then when they all escape the bus and the skateboard, you know, kind of skate skate yeah, out yeah. of it, and that shot happens, and you just see Keanu's arms, and you see Sandra Bullock, like the little wry smile after she, you know, she's mm-hmm. crying too, like she's, he's like, yeah. are you okay? And she's, she again, she her performance is amazing in this. She's crying, and you know, she's like holding her forehead and and is trying to settle down, and then comes up with the quip that then gets the call back at the end, like. You know, relationships that you're not going to get all mushy on me, are you? Because relationships that start under intense circumstances never work out. And she's, you're like, I'm back. I'm back. She's back. She's cool. I'm in love with her again. Mm-hmm. And it, from that moment on, it, the final, whatever it is, 25 to 30 minutes of this thing, you're so invested because you've seen care. You've seen like a, uh, a back and forth, like rapport, mm-hmm. like that friends would have. And then there's tension there. And then the sexiness and the heat is there. And then the action is there for the final 30 minutes. And then you finally get the payoff of the callback of the line. Uh, I hear, you know, relationships that start under intense circumstances never work. And Sandra Bullock with, just delivers the funniest, like somewhat most inappropriate line. It's just like, we'll just have to base it on sex then. And every, I yes! don't doubt that everybody is like, yes. Sandra Bullock, you are my queen. Please fuck the shit out of Keanu Reeves right you're now. Thing you know, it's like yeah, you're right. You are gonna base this relationship on sex, and you guys are gonna have a great relationship because of it. <laughs> it was the best. It's it's just it's the heat between those two is amazing. I love that she knows the whole time the score, where she's just like, "You and I are going like whether or not you know it, you and I are going to have sex." Yes. Like she knows this about it. Even it's a kind of calculation that I really like. There's that that old the thing about when Harry met Sally, like the line that Harry says of you know women know within the first five minutes if they're going to sleep with a man or not. It's not not true. Sure. And but more importantly, there's also the calculation that at least I know I make of not just would I want to sleep with this man, but the calculation of sure can I sleep with this man? And so you the idea that she in a full crisis situation. <laughs> Still did that math while she's driving a fucking and this is the old school L.A. city buses. So these are like prison buses like they are that it goes through so many. It hits so many solid objects. Yeah. And barrels through them like it's nothing. Nothing. No scratches, because that's how we used to make shit back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. We used to be a country. We used to be a a proper country. (laughs) So she's, you know, even with all that. She still is able to do the math of like, I want to sleep with this man and I think I can do it. Yeah. 
I love that. Like that's still gonna bone. She's a disaster hero for me personally because yeah. <laughs> I would also one fully be yelling at people instead of using the horn because she never actually uses the horn. She just is yelling, "Get out of my way!" while panicked and driving. And I very much relate to that. But then also the fact that she's like, "Look, lady's got needs." I I, I respect that. She I, I I respect a woman who goes after what she wants and clearly. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. I think she's kind of earned it after after everything she's that she's done. It. She's earned it. She's earned that. And she's earned Keanu Reeves. I, I think she should absolutely, and uh, forcefully is the wrong word, but like with with uh, with, with some assertiveness, with gusto, with gusto indeed, should yeah. go get what she wants because she has absolutely earned it and she deserves it. Yeah, she just lost two modes of transit that she will never be able to do again without trauma. Yeah. And that's without getting the fact that Speed 2 apparently throws in cruise liners. Yeah, now, so now we're on a boat. Things. Now we're on a boat Yeah, now we're on the boat. And which, like, now I'm wondering how many different methods of transit are on Speed 2 that I haven't learned about. <laughs> I only knew about the bus with Speed 1. So, like, is Speed 2, there's, like, a boat, and then also there's a Zeppelin. Like, what else are we working with here? Yeah. I need to know now. But, uh, but yeah, like... If you're losing two forms of mass transit in the process to trauma, you deserve to get some really, really, really. I think trauma there. bonding sex is probably some of the best sex out there. Not in, I'm saying in the moment. Who knows what happens afterwards? Like, <laughs> listen, it's worked for my people for thousands of years. <laughs> That's. This is how we've made. This, this is, is how, how we've made our. How we've made our bones in this world. Yeah, yeah, we've survived uh, because you're in the shtetl and you don't necessarily want to marry that man, but, oh, well, you know, the Cossacks are coming soon and we got to get out and he has a mule that we can use, so let's yeah, go, Yeah, I was going to say, even, even, even prior to that, it's like, hey, we're going through the desert mm -hmm. and this man and I made it through the desert somehow and yep. it's time to fuck. I think that's, that's yeah. as, as it said in the Torah once, I, I believe. It that's is, verbatim, it is in the so. Torah that once they reach the other side of the Red Sea, there was an orgy. Yeah, but I, I think yeah, you gotta read you gotta read a, a couple of, of lines below uh, yeah, the original it's, text. It's in one of it's one in one of the other books, not the big five. That's but right. yeah, it's there. Um but yeah, it's I, the the two of them in this movie and it, like in the um in the 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 oral history that I was reading, uh, which my friend Tati sent me, it was they talk about the fact that like there were initial concerns that there was no chemistry because Keanu's really like was very shy and cold and that's just how Keanu is and like it's Sandra Bullock and she's bubbly and friendly but like they were not and man they were so worried about the chemistry I'm like you cannot tell in this film because human libido will fill in so much of a blank space if you sure. give us room like that's where fanfic comes from is because we see two Barbies and we want to mash their faces together. Yeah, exactly. Like that's just <laughs> that's, what that's, it is. That's what they are. And it's so weird because, you know, kind of doing some research on like the, the lead up to the film. Mm -hmm. um, first off, Stephen Baldwin was, was like the first offer oh, somehow for this movie. And Stephen Baldwin as, as Stephen Baldwin apparently has done many times, yeah. made a bad decision. and was like, nah, not for me. It's too much like Die Hard. Uh, when they cast Keanu Reeves, the, originally the um, Annie part was more of like a wisecracking sidekick specifically and was supposed to be like, I guess, a driver's ed instructor or something like that. So that's why they could handle the bus. And I guess Ellen DeGeneres, who was, was starting to hit like mm -hmm. a pretty solid, like a really solid level of popularity as a comedian at that point, I guess, was originally going to be the Annie character. Not much. It wasn't really going to be a love interest thing. Yeah. It was just going to be kind of this... Oh, like the wisecracking sidekick who ends up making all, getting all the funny lines, and and they work their way through the movie, and then they're like, well, we kind of want somebody that can 
you know, be a, a love interest too, uh-huh. as many. And, and this is like a, a, it feels like a very 90s movie studio note yeah. uh, for script writers that it's like, ah, we need somebody as a love interest. Like, get somebody in there. So they rewrote the part and then eventually cast Sandra Bullock after offering it to like Meryl Streep was offered oh the part God. at one point, like turned it down. Like uh, Halle Berry was offered this part, which I think would have been an interesting Annie as well if, if it was written the same yeah. way. I actually kind of think Halle Berry could have could have pulled this off a little bit too, but I, I don't think it would have had the charm of somebody like Sandra Bullock because Halle Berry was pretty popular or, or maybe not yeah. very popular, but like more well-known. I think the fact that Sandra Bullock is this kind of essentially unknown actress that kind of fills the right void for Keanu Reeves' blankness as we were talking about, I, I think that's just a lightning in a bottle moment and, and it's just it's just perfect to have those two together. And it's phenom- uh, fascinating to think that yeah. this part could have been rewritten in a different way, could have been written in a different way, or it could have been cast in a much different way. One of the things about Sandra Bullock that, like, to me works, that is always so compelling, is that her her vibe is essentially deeply competent, but she's not sure why she's the person being asked to do it. Like, Sandra Bullock has the vibe of someone who you could hand her a, be like, hey, can you just put your finger on this wire while I undo this bomb? <laughs> And she'd be like, yeah, I can, but why do you want me to? And like, she would do it perfectly. But there's always this sort of like, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm the person in this situation, but yes, I'm capable of doing it. And that's like her consistent thing, which I find very relatable because there's something very human and very like not filmed to me about a character who is not like winkingly mystified by the circumstances, but like when she hits, when they hit the baby carriage, which is- Great sequence. So obviously the the bus has gotten off of the freeway. It's going through city streets. A woman pushing like a Rosemary's Baby style old school black baby carriage just steps off the curb without looking and is that bus just takes that thing out. And her response of like the panic and then the realization that there were cans in it is so great. Yeah. And is one of those mo- like that moment beyond all else is more like done. I'm in. I whatever she wants, whatever she needs. I I sh- I will serve her because she is perfect. And it's just that's her thing. And I do think Meryl Streep having now seen like early Meryl Streep stuff, I actually she can have chemistry with anybody, so there would 100% with Keanu Reeves have been a sense of like she's going to rip his clothes off on this bus. <laughs> I, she's it's remarkable how much sexual chemistry she has with everyone. Yeah. Like I watched Defending Your Life and Albert Brooks, who like I love Albert Brooks. He's a very specific like I I find him charming and handsome and et cetera, et cetera. But like you shouldn't have a character who you shouldn't have a woman who looks like Meryl Streep, who is so fucking just beautiful, looking at him and engaging with him like he is the most incredible man on the planet. And she does. And she is. And you're just like, man, those two should bone. And I want to watch. And then you're like, really? I want to see Albert Brooks have sex with Meryl Streep. Well, it's th- that's that's kind of how I feel about Bridges of Madison County. Like Clint Eastwood, who was a very, very handsome man in like the 70s and 80s, like is getting into mm-hmm. like an aged version of himself where he, the first thought you have about him isn't like, oh, I want to fuck Clint Eastwood. It's just like, oh, that's yeah. Clint Eastwood. Meryl Streep in Bridges of Madison County kind of has, and she's got bangs in that movie too, <laughs> and makes them work. Powerful woman can overpower the bangs. Uh, these two women are the perfect example of it. Sandy Sandy B and Meryl Streep both, both overpower the bangs, and the way that Meryl Streep looks at Clint Eastwood in Bridges yeah. of Madison County, you're like, Oh, I want, I want, I want to watch these two fuck. Like, I want to, I'd fuck Clint Eastwood at this point. 
because Meryl yep. Streep is making him seem like the hottest man that has ever lived. And I don't doubt that she would have done that with Keanu Reeves, although obviously he didn't need that much help. But San- Sandra sell. She sells. They sell, yeah. They sell it so well, and that's what yeah. that's what Sandra Bullock does in this movie. Like it, and she enhances and elevates like the chemistry of the two. Yeah, it's great. It's it's just unbelievable. I got I, the the Jeff Bridges in it is one unexpected, and then two, like what's nice is that you like him so you spend thirty minutes with him in the top of it, and you like him so much, and then he basically disappears. Except he's in his own separate movie, which is a movie that yeah. I separately would have loved to have watched. Yeah, I would have one hundred percent watched the movie of Jeff Bridges tracking down this one like disgruntled cop. Which, by the way, I do appreciate how much this movie is basically like a cab except Keanu Reeves and Jeff Bridges. Yeah, De- Jeff da- Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Daniels. Jeff- sorry, not Bridges. I always well, I said Bridges of Madison Jeff- County. I'm sure that had a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. No, there's no excuse. I've my entire like. There's certain celebrities whose names it doesn't matter how well I know them. Jane Lynch and Jane Levy. To I have to stop every time and be like, wait, which one? is from Glee and which one is the redheaded actress who is 30 years younger exactly. than from Glee. Like, I, it's just consistent. I can't, It's if names are similar, Lily and Lu, Lily Tomlin, Lewis Tomlinson, like One Direction, sure. Lewis Tomlinson, every time I read it as Lily Tomlin. <laughs> I could see that. Every time. And it's so confusing because it'll be like Lily, to- in my head, I'm like, why is Lily Tomlin talking about Harry Styles again? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right, Amanda. I have this very specific celebrity-based learning disorder. It's very Totally strange. understandable. But you're, you're right about uh, about Jeff. Like, uh, about, he, he's great. But yeah, like, he's great. He's he, great in this, too. He's like, so great. He's, yeah, he gets a lot of the laugh lines, for sure. He gets a lot of the sardonic yeah. laugh lines. He does a lot of the uh, checkoff uh, writing in this where he does all, yes. a lot of the foreshadowing where it's like guts only get everything Jeff sets up it gets, gets paid, paid off, off. The, the shoot you sh- you know how do you he's t- asking Keanu Reeves about what do you do mm-hmm. he's the first one who's like pop quiz hotshot right or it says the hotshot thing yeah. early and I was like oh that's a theme throughout uh, he sets up mm-hmm. what do you do if a guy has a hostage and Keanu's like well you shoot the hostage yep. then he says shoot the hostage you get shot guts only get you so far uh, and then, you know, like, and then, you know, then, and then mm-hmm. they get you killed. And sure enough, that's what ends up happening later in the movie. Like his little setup lines, uh, the way that they, the gold, the watch, gold watch thing, thing he figures out. Yeah. And I know it's a little bit of a deus ex machina thing, but like it, it, it was the one time in this movie where I was like, oh, wait, he goes, wait a minute. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's the gears are grinding now. Like that's the one moment in this. It's a probably, mm-hmm. it's definitely a necessary moment to try to advance the story and and get them to figure it out. But like he delivers all this stuff really, really well, I think. Yeah, he's great. I would like, I, my only, my only issue was I was like, man, when you are going to go try and take the bomber's house, like you got to assume that there's some trip. Come on, right? Like that was my one. I was like, which I appreciate. There's this little moment right before the house blows up where he sees the bomb and you can watch him be like, damn it. Fuck. I knew it. Knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Like it just, it's such an, it's such a great little moment of, Oh shit. Which yeah. like who amongst us hasn't had that kind of a day at our job? And the difference is is that in this case, unfortunately, it, you know, blew him out the window. But yeah. You, then you got hard. Joe Morton. It's Joe Morton, who was like doesn't get to do have as much fun as one would hope Joe Morton would get to have, but he still gets to have a good time and he does get to ride on a speeding like flatbed for a yeah. fair amount. I, I unbelievable like the amount of we know this about Jan de Bont, that like Jan de Bont likes to put his actors through shit. He was just fully hitting Helen Hunt in the face with corn stalks to make Twister. Yep. But man, it's really amazing that he didn't kill anybody with speed. Yeah, right? Like the stuff that these right? people have to do, whether it's 
Like, you know, like they made all of those actors walk across a plank on a moving car yeah. from a moving bus. Like that's that's insane. They they played it with. I mean, like you're like, wow, these people are legitimately scared. And then you're like, oh yeah, because they had to do this. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it's like a controlled environment, but that's still a horrifying, terrifying thing to have to to have to do. And I I I do love how this movie is shot, though. Like I think he's. He does a really good job, I and mean, obviously he's a very, good, very yeah. good cinematographer, and and became a very, very good director. But like you can tell, some of the '90s, the '80s, '90s flourishes of this. Like, there's a great shot after the first bus blows up, where Keanu's buddy, the bus driver, um, you know, gets blown yeah. up, and then the the payphone rings. Which, by the way, that's like, are you gonna answer that payphone just because the bu- like the bus blew up? I guess because Keanu's like, oh, this feels familiar. Yeah. It's like a video game side quest or something <laughs> like that. But like he 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 starts to walk towards the payphone, and the reflection of the fire in the back is on the payphone when Keanu picks it up. There's yeah. a really great shot like there when Keanu first goes under the bus on like their little um, you know dolly or whatever it is, yeah. and they're they're zooming in on Keanu's face as he's looking. It's it's supposed to be. There's no shot he can see. Sandra Bullock at this point yeah. in like reality, but they make it seem like he's Don't looking care. up into the window and then Annie's looking back down at him as he goes under the bus. Like it's, there's some really good, intense tension filled shots in this. And I, I was a really big fan of how this movie looks. Uh, I think it looks really, really it, good. Yeah. It looks incredible. It's, it's, it's again, it like, it's also the power of practical, you know, like the, the oh my God, you're so right. The, yes. The practical effects in this are just, like that's this movie feels tangible. This movie feels real because it's yeah. real because there's not a bunch of like because it lo- they pretty much, I think, crashed a subway car like they they did these things. They physically did mm-hmm. them. And it's you can tell and it has weight and danger and risk to it, partly because there is weight, danger and risk to it, but also because yep. the human eye knows. And so, yeah, it's I mean, the even with the cheats that you're talking about, like it still feels real because yeah, they're really sending a guy on a dolly underneath that bus. It's not Keanu, but there was a lot of Keanu doing a lot of things that he probably shouldn't have been like sure. shouldn't have been doing. It's incredible. <laughs> it I, I love the the sheer audacity of not just jumping the bus, but the practice, like showing us that bus being jumped. And it's a real bus that wasn't even like miniatures. They just fully jumped a fucking bus across the freeway. Great, amazing. Yeah. It's the it's it is the most unbelievable part of it. Oh, like that could like, not have been the best option. I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No. Like like clear like oh maybe it's an maybe it's an incline. First off, you're taking a huge risk mm-hmm. to to hope that it's it's an interchange with an incline yeah. that's going to be enough to get you airborne. And like they, there's no shot that that angle of that freeway gets you to to leap 50 feet and all of a sudden the the bus is going airborne when it's not fully across yet that's fine i don't care care. it's just a split second of like uh uh, whatever doesn't that's not real yeah does not matter at all like because it's you you feel the weight right like you feel like when it hits the ground you feel like i can't imagine what this movie was like in theaters like i feel like this would have been such a fun experience to enjoy in a big movie theater i just i just watched oppenheimer uh uh, and barbie for that matter but like oppenheimer in in a theater and i was you know gripping the seat 
at a lot of these moments because of the sound and just mm-hmm. how expansive it was and you feel the weight of all these things that are taking place in the movie, these explosions and whatnot. I can't imagine how fun this movie must have been to watch in a theater, like a packed theater oh, yeah. in 1994. It's, I mean, like, even, I, I just saw The Meg too, which if you haven't seen it, go see it because it's fun as hell. And even that, like, I did not watch it with a particularly responsive crowd. I was laughing much more than the rest of the crowd was laughing, which I'm like, guys, <laughs> sure. we are all here at 2.30 on a Tuesday. <laughs> or it was a Monday, 2.30 on a Monday to see the Meg, and, Meg 2 in 3D. Why are you not all on board with these? Yeah, things? go like, all in on it, man. Lead into this like, shit. Come on, it's going to be great. We need to laugh here because we know what we got into. Um, but yeah, it's like the experience of seeing these things on the screen does fucking make a difference. Granted, like that's not generally the way that I watch most movies. But man, this is sure. one that does deserve to be up on the screen where people can like react and clap. This is there should be clapping when that bus yeah, lands. Definitely. Like, I, I, I hope there was because that they were going to that, that we all know that bus is going to make it. I don't care. We still need to yeah. clap for it. I like the reaction too of all the of the people in the bus because again, they're you know, they're supposed to be representative of everybody yeah. who's watching the movie right there. They're kind of avatars for that's why it's a diverse cast and everything like everybody kind of feels a little invested because there's so much diversity in it but like when the, when the guy stands up and goes we did it we're, we're out of control or whatever and, and like yeah it's a weird line and a weird line reading but like the joy that they feel i hope like people watching this movie in the theater and i imagine they did because it wouldn't have made the money that it did yeah. had it not had this type of effect but i felt that same kind of relief and joy and and um just pure exuberance because they made it like i felt invested in it and i would imagine like watching it in the theater you feel like you made it too yeah so I, I really love and i certainly think if we did like if there were a re-release that would absolutely be the vibe now too like you can't not watch it and not have that feeling for totally. sure one thing like just as i'm i i we that you kind of brought up before about the comic relief and then she it kind of annie pivoted to sort of the rom-com like to the romantic counter lead one of the things that's really interesting to me about this and Twister um, that I realized as I was watching it, Twister, my thing has always been Twister is his girl Friday, but with tornadoes. Like that's 100%. That's what that movie is. It's a movie sure. about one person who wants to get divorced and the other is trying to drag their feet as much as possible. And then something else pops up that distracts them both. And then they can't and then the person can't get divorced and remarried. Like that's the whole point of his girl Friday. And that's the whole plot of, of Twister. And with this as I was watching it, the more I realized, I was like, oh, shit, this is a screwball romantic comedy from the 30s <laughs> with a disaster movie plotted it. Yeah. Like, it, and that's part of like, I, like, I want to call that out because it's so fucking charming, partly because of the fact that, yeah, it's just straight up a screwball comedy. Like she, Catherine Hepburn would not drive that bus, but spiritually, Catherine Hepburn could have <laughs> driven that bus in yeah. bringing up baby. You know, that's a good way to put yeah. it. That's a good way to put like, it because is... you 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 sneak in like and, and again, I obviously we have 20, uh, 30 years of Sandra Bullock yeah. now to kind of, you know, work off of and have an understanding of what what kind of her powers have been over this time. Like it's the reason you can carry, you know, a premise like Miss Congeniality. Yes. And have it make, you know, triple digit millions of dollars, whatever it was, you know, 100 million dollars, whatever it was like. It's the reason that she can carry us silly premise like that mm-hmm. quote unquote because she's got this this magnetism about her like like you mentioned earlier but we have 30 years to now you know of data to work off of but at the time you're like i don't know what this is but she's able to pivot from 
desperate. Not I never get a damsel in distress no. feel from her, other than like at the very beginning when she's like trying to catch the bus. Yeah, or like at the end when she's got full on bombs strapped to her body and she has no no options. options. Like that's not even damsel. That's yeah. just that's just holy shit. That's yeah. a horrible situation to be in. Like she doesn't yeah. have the damsel in distress uh, to me at all. She's like an independent, strong willed character right out of the gate. She has an energy about her that's phenomenal, and she keeps pivoting from like stand up for the people on the bus to take charge when you need to. I'm going to slow this bus down because Sam just got shot. No, you can't. Okay, fine. I'll take I'll take over. Uh, pivots into the jokey sidekick. Pivots into sidekick in the action moments. Like she has to, she has the, a rope in her teeth when they're tying, like when they're put, wedging the, the pipe on the pe- oh, gas yeah, pedal to, to keep it for going the, for the gas when they're pedal. about to escape the bus, her and Keanu. And she's got a at one point a rope in her teeth while they're tying like the rope to the little uh, you know panel to the steering wheel. Like she's the sidekick in an action movie at that point, and then she mm-hmm. becomes the quirky rom com girl who can say these funny quippy lines, and then can be can turn around and have this look on her face when she's got a bomb strapped to her chest, and you completely believe what is happening in that moment. Like, I can't say enough about, obviously there's this inherent sexiness that I'll always remember. You know, that was like an awakening moment for me, like as a young man, seeing this bombshell of a woman, but she's got this incredible presence about her that that allows her to keep pivoting from this type of character to this type of character to this type of character, and you're rooting for her from start to finish. I gotta say, uh, if you haven't seen Lost City of D, which was like, completely just slipped under the radar during the pandemic-ish kind of era. It was her rom-com with Channing Tatum, where she plays a romance novelist and he's the cover guy. And they end up like in a, it's it's romancing the stone essentially. But if you haven't seen that, it's great. It gives you, it gives you all of those Man. things. Again, it's got Sandra Bullock giving you all of it. It's, it's you, it is particularly for you, Adam, something <laughs> I think you will, you will de- d- deeply enjoy. Cool. Um, but yeah. Well, is there, are there any, I feel like we've covered a lot of speed. Is there, and which we've done all this and haven't even talked about how insane Dennis Hopper is in this, but like. <laughs> let, well, let, let's, let's, let's touch on Dennis Hopper then. Yeah. Let's touch on, yeah, let's touch on Dennis. I just like, I, I have just seen Waterworld for the first time a few weeks ago as well. So I'm getting like just this influx of Dennis <laughs> Hopper, de- just deeply deranged performances. He, like he, to me, he like, you need somebody this nutty. Like or to play it this kind of nutty, he has some really good line readings. You take everything he says seriously. There is some suspension of disbelief in the sense of like three three million dollars seems like a very low number for this much effort. I but I, I mean I get that yeah, like it's it's a low. It's, I, I get that's his that's his the, pension the materials. Etc. Yeah, like I no, like I, I get, get that it. the three point seven million is like the specific number because that's what he would be owed extrapolated over. I I kind of get that. It just seems yeah. like a very low number. Other than that, like he's kind of like playing this to the level that you need somebody to play this. He has a good evil laugh a couple times in this. He has yeah. kind of lines that piss you off. So you're like, I hope this guy gets his. There's also like a little bit of understanding. You're like, I got a medal. And I again, it's just, it's screenwriting mm-hmm. 101. You got to give some reason for this so you 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 feel some logical sense of this. But he's yeah. playing it right. He's delivering the lines very, very well. I like how they messed up his hand right out of the gate. And they kept zooming in. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, why do they keep like I because I, I've seen this movie maybe, you know, definitely double digit times. 
uh, maybe not start to finish every time, but like, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen enough of it. But like in the beginning, they keep zooming in on the hand. So you kind of see like, oh, that's interesting. What's that all about? And you and I love, love, love. This is really good writing in my estimation. In the first 30 minutes yeah. during the elevator sequence, you completely get that this guy's really smart. Like the way they're describing him, the moves that he makes in the limited time that he is on screen for those first 30 minutes, you really yeah. kind of are given the sense. You're shown and told, but more so told, but you, but you get it. This guy's really intelligent. He's a step ahead of everybody. So you're all in uh, every time he makes a move. You're like, oh, that's he was ahead of them. Yeah. Like he he's really ahead of the game. And especially because like you don't necessarily ever feel like you're never going to feel when you're watching Keanu Reeves like you're watching somebody who's really, really, really smart. But the fact that like he's constantly going, well, why is this guy doing this? And then working yeah. it, working the problem does make by contrast, the villains seem really smart. And then also you're like, ah, and he's getting to the level. Keanu was getting up to his level. So now I respect him. It's like this weird little, like, you respect the villain because Keanu Reeves is saying that he's smart and like, why is he doing it this way? But then you respect Keanu more because the villain is going, oh, you figured out my plan. But it all feels organic. And that's fucking wild because it shouldn't feel organic. It should all feel very put together. But it's the power of like how well done this movie is that you don't mind and you're like yeah i fully believe that this you know bomb expert cop with that missing a thumb is the evil genius behind all of this though one of my favorite things and again it's a little obvious mm-hmm. uh, but again you, you're trying to do a lot in a short amount of time because this is a you said it earlier this moves it's really so really fast. well like it's a really well-paced action movie dennis hopper when the bu- first bus blows up and he calls Keanu on the payphone and he's like literally like down the yeah. street at that point, he gives you the premise of the movie, essentially gives you the elevator yeah. pitch. He does the whole thing. He's like, here's what's happening. There's a bomb or there's a bus uh, that has a bomb on it. As soon as it hits 50, it's armed. If it goes under 50, it's going to blow up. You can't take anybody off. I'm watching the whole mm-hmm. time. And you're like, Holy fuck, that's the movie. That's the elevator pitch. Yeah. This is the one line that you can walk into a Hollywood studio, into an executive's office and say, here's the movie. There's a bomb on a bus, 50 miles an hour, goes over its arm, goes under, it blows up. That's the story. And you're like, perfect. I'm in. I'm 100% yeah, in. Yeah, that's all I knew about this Absolutely. movie until I watched it. Like, was that premise? It's brilliant. And yeah, it's bizarre, it's insane, but it's brilliant and it works. And like I, like I said before, the fact that Keanu never once asks her questions and he just jumps yeah. into action. It's great. really well done. That's all you need. I don't need him to to have to tell Jeff, his partner, to tell Jeff Daniels and then explain it and then they discuss the guy. Like, no, he just jumps right into action and doesn't question it and isn't trying to figure out why he's doing it. He just needs to stop the bomb. Also, the whole sequence when he's carjacked <laughs> that guy on the freeway. And that guy is having the best so fucking time. So much with, fun. Like, I wanted that character. I was so sad that we lost him so early in the movie because he's so fun. Glenn Plummer, I believe so, is his name. 
great yeah. character actor and like plays it perfectly and like i love the like kind of mid 1990s los angeles racial undertones he's like this car is not stolen and then he, yeah he's he like, says this right up front and then he's like well, well now, now it, it is. is and it's like damn it great. this is great great play on on los angeles in the 90s i love that yeah all of his he goes a little he's definitely doing the most with the least amount of he's time but it's so much I fun care. i don't care for a second when, when kiana's like are you insured? And he break, <laughs> he opens the door and has the bus bust through the door. And he's like, ah, you broke my door. And I was like, yeah, of course he broke your door. His, his, his facial expression after Keanu yeah. jumps onto the bus and then he ends up crashing into the, the water barrels the water thing? and yeah. the look on his face. By the way, why there was no airbag in that super fancy car? I have no idea. But like he shows up and the last time you see him, his face yeah. is just covered in water. And it's it's like the facial equivalent equivalent of a good line reading. Ugh. Just his expression is perfect. And I, yeah. I adored him for the the moments that we had him. He did phenomenally. I love that. The thing is like, yeah, he's doing the most as an actor. But also like in that circumstance, when you're on the freeway and a guy is running alongside a bus, then carjacks you. And then all of a sudden, is just like driving along, like driving you alongside of this bus while yelling about bus a bomb being on it. I would also be doing the most. Sure, yeah, totally fine, totally fine Great. to freak out at that moment because any of us would. Yeah, absolutely. And but no, he was. I, I the whole time I'm like, I know we're not going to get very much of him, and I want every second we possibly can with this guy. <laughs> like I definitely, I want to, I want the, I want the movie where we follow him on his day as he tries to like go about his business. I want the buddy comedy of him and Keanu. Like I want all of it. It was spectacular. He was on ER for a long time. Oh, really? uh, he was in uh, the film South Central. Uh, he's got a really hefty uh, 1990s resume, Good. like Menace to Society and Showgirls and The Substitute. And Showgirls. he was in Speed. He was in Speed too, by the way, too. So maybe reason. That's I specifically was like, I hope he comes back in Speed Two. And I said that on. I was like, I no spoilers, no one tell me, but I hope he comes back on Speed Two. I am so glad to yeah, hear that. Yeah, he's, he's in Speed. He's playing the same character to. he played in in the original. He has. To, he needs to be on that boat. Yeah. He needs to just be like, what the f <laughs> like? I that man needs to be on that boat. If he if he 100%. sees Sandra Bullock, he's like you again. What what the hell? You know. So. Yeah. When he sees Keanu in line at like in line at the at the buffet, absolutely. <laughs> Keanu carjacks his carjacks a few of his crab legs. Like I want, I cannot wait. I, I I can't imagine what Speed Two would have been like. I guess Keanu turned it. They offered him something like twelve million dollars or something uh -huh. to be in Speed Two, and he's like, no, I'm gonna. Is he? Oh no, he's not in Speed Two. Jason Patrick plays the lead role what? in Speed 2, which is unfortunate. I'm so disappointed yeah. because I definitely was like, oh, this is going to be so cool how it's like their honeymoon and then he has to solve a hijacked yeah. boat. It's it's unfortunate oh, that like it's probably the right it was definitely the right move for Keanu. That was not, that was a movie yeah. that did not do uh particularly well in terms it was a way bigger budget uh than than the yeah. original Speed and made like 150 or 160 million dollars, but the budget was over 100 million. So, you know, yeah. that's a tough break for, for Jason Patrick because Speed, the original, it was like a 30 to $40 million budget and it made $350 million that's in the box office. thing, man. That's the key. You don't actually have to spend that much money yep. to make a really good movie. Yep. Generally speaking, like, it gets worse once you start throwing in more money for the sequels. Yeah. That's this, my this biggest fear well, with Barbie is is that they're going to make sequels and the sequels are going to suck. And the sequels like, aren't going to be as good. Yeah, and because they're, they're going to just throw a bunch of money at it and be like, well, why can't, why, if we're spending $300 million, why isn't it better product? And it's like, well, because that's not how movies work. Yeah, the writing has to be sharp, which yeah. I thought Barbie's writing was really, really good. And 
I'm watching I'm watching this movie and I'm waiting and again I've seen this movie a bunch. Yeah. I'm waiting for like there's a couple of awkward line readings yeah. and a, some weird dialogue, but it's nine, it's the 1990s action aesthetic. Yeah. For this movie to be as as we talked about well-written as it is, to have a well-written movie that is paced as well as it is with really good action, with character with actors that fill their characters really really well. There's a reason that these movies not only make money in the moment, but stick around yeah. for a long time. And this is a movie to me that has always stuck around. As soon as you suggested, I was like, I'm in. Please, speed, 100%, I'm in. And there's a reason that these movies stick around because there are there are portions of it that you're like, you could put this into like a, uh, a screenplay writing class and say, mm-hmm. look at the structure of this. Look what they do to set up. Look at the callbacks. They don't introduce things without going back to them and trying to pay them off. They give people reasons to be invested in characters, even the evil ones, yeah. even the most small characters. You're invested in them because they're, they give you the right lines for the right portion of time. And, the, and to the actor's credit, they read them well and give you a sense of who they are in a very short amount of time. Like That's, an, that's not an easy thing to pull off, but that's how you spend $40 million and make nine times that at the box office. It it really is. It's a masterclass in in economy combined yeah. with like success. It's it's amazing. Definitely. Well, okay. Is there anything else? Because I feel like we've talked a lot about speed. Is there anything else about the movie as it's presented before we get into the subtext of it that you feel like we haven't talked about that you're like, I will kick myself if we don't cover it? Uh, only a couple things I wrote down were the score is really good. Ooh, yeah. And it's, it's kind of pulsing for the most part and then the couple of moments like when keanu and sandy uh escape the bus and like the, there's like this little violin flourish and you're like uplifted by it uh it, it has like this little romance to it the end end of it when they're making out and like the happy ending score like it's really really good uh i was really impressed with that i laughed uh arizona good football team and i'm like did they have a good football team? And I went back and looked in the ni- mid 1990s. Dick Tomey was the head coach. It was actually a, they were a 10 win team in okay. the early 90s. So I was like, all right, go go Arizona. Good for you guys. So as as a person who's covered sports and covered Arizona football, not very good Arizona football for a while. It was good to remember the good times three decades ago when they're actually <laughs> a decent uh, a decent football team. So that yeah. that's pretty much all I had. I, yeah, someone tweet mentioned was like the least believable part is that Arizona ever had a good football team, and I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. So sure, <laughs> they did. They for a little while they did, they and a I was good like, football team, okay, because they because they could have just said good basketball team, like they could have just said that, yeah. and it would have made sense because they've always had a good basketball team. Anyway. No, it's got to be football. You gotta, you gotta. Keanu Reeves' character is not a guy who watches basketball. That's like, like fair point. Everything about like the physicality of his character definitely seems like the kind good of point. guy Very who good point. like threw out a knee early in his college football career and then went into like and then went into law that that guy that guy ended up being Shane falco yeah i don't know what that means but i'm gonna laugh at it anyway that's that's the replacements the replacements yeah oh, that's his character yeah, that his yeah. Character's he, that, name? that's his character's name in the replacements he ended up I being in the movie since i saw it as a kid shane falco what a great great name by the way shane falco for like, I, I assume that shane falco was the name of a football player, <laughs> so i was like i don't know who that is because i just figured that was the name of a football player yeah the the arizona that little arizona moment where like I'm like, I don't know what any... Okay, sure. Sure. But I did love like that it explains why he called her Wildcat. Absolutely. While also giving him an excuse, like giving Dennis Hopper an excuse to be weirdly sexual about Sandy. Like, it's perfect. It's great. It was it's great. It was good, really well done. Good and, mascot choice. And, and at the time, like the first time I remember seeing this or like the first time I kind of remember noticing the dialogue, I was like, why did he call her? Like, I, you call her a Wildcat. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's a cool name for like this driver. It's like, then you see the, the reveal of it is really good. Like it's, again, a great little 
writing nugget. Like he sneaks it in twice. He calls her a wildcat twice. And then you're like, why does he keep saying that? They reveal the sweatshirt. Like it's it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I was I was really pleased with this. Yeah, it's so good. It's so fucking good. It's a great movie. Well, all right. Adam, what do you think? And it can just be as simple as it's about a bus. What do you think this movie was really about? Man, um, I feel like you're you're like you being the royal you, like your interpretation of it is going to depend on like when you're watching it. So it's like sure. what's going on in your own life and kind of like what what lessons can you derive from seeing this movie in, in the mind state that you're currently in. Like I like the the idea of uh not being able to slow down and trying to barrel through life's problems. Like there's a little bit of that. Okay. I kind of, my mind went to that when you're like, think about some subtext. I was like, all right, let me see where my head is at right now. And like barreling through life's problems and trying to get there. Even when you, when you feel like you can't slow down, Yeah. Uh, who knows what Graham Yost was going through at this point in his, uh, in his life while, while writing this movie. But uh, I think that was like kind of the thing that kind of popped in. I was like, oh, maybe that's a lesson you can take away from, uh, from this movie. Like when life is, is uh you know you throwing a bunch of obstacles in your way and you feel like you can't slow down well let's figure out how to make it work i like that okay that's really good oh i like yeah cool (laughs) it is it is always like it is very much influenced by like where you happen to be as you're watching definitely depending on my mood that day and which is why like in having watched this while i'm also thinking about like the privatization of like for me this is a movie about the failures of essentially like our government and our public like our public um systems to properly like serve the public good sure um there are two different instances in this movie where there's an unfinished there's unfinished freeway there's unfinished subway yeah like those two things alone invest in infrastructure the map says it's done the map says it's done which is again a ridiculous leap of faith that you have to make where it's like but the map says, and now you're thinking like, who's lying to the government? Who's lying to the cartographers of Los of the greater Los Fine. Angeles area and being like, oh yeah, the, that that the highway's definitely finished, and there's actually a fifty foot gap in there the with signs that say they're not done. Yeah, that's well again, that's you know what happens with uh, all these metro projects. They they run over. You outsource them to private companies who have very little oversight, and then all of a sudden they're over budget and they're behind schedule, and you got to jump a bus over it. And likewise, you know we've got that on the on the public infrastructure side, and then the villain here in this movie, yeah, yes, is very much a man who like obviously when you're failed by the state or when you're failed by the company you used to work for or when you're failed by the organization it was supposed to provide for you, the solution is not to blow things up. That being said. Yes. <laughs> I know where you're going. When you consider. To. Yes. Yeah. When you consider, you're kind of like, like, well, you know, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation if we he had been properly provided take, by. Take care of your people. Like, How about that? Like the promises that were made to this, take care of your this people. guy was a government employee, you know, yeah. and he's like, I that's basically what he, I want my government pension. They had to go through the pension yeah. records to figure out, you know, who this person is. And you, you read the uh, or, or the uh, police officer that is assisting Jeff Daniels character comes yeah. in with that comes in with the article when they identify that it's Howard Payne. It's like, you know, the this this accident left him with digits numbering nine. And over the course of the story, again, a lot of suspension of disbelief, but 
hey man, this guy feels slighted. And how many villains in movies, action movies, well-written action movies from, exactly. from then to now have been written with the villain having some level of justification? Like, this is how Killmonger was a really good character in Black Panther because you're like, maybe the villain has a point. <laughs> and if you can at least make a case for the villain, I think that's a well-written yeah. character. And you got to think about what brought him to that point. And the thing is, is that like, these are all things that we all understand and experience. Cause like, yeah, we're not surprised when it turns out that the government fucked this dude over. Totally. And it's not surprising when these things like when the, that his pension would be cut or that someone would, you know, the health insurance wouldn't approve a thing. Like we see these failures all the time, but in this movie in particular, it's very clearly like this failure of at multiple levels, government, not necessarily like government in the sense of like, oh, bad, big government, but like the failure to properly fund our government in order to provide people with the services and the goods and the things they've been promised, whether it be a working subway or a freeway that fully functions or whatever, you know, need, are needed to help a guy get through losing one of his thumbs. Like these are all. So to me, this is a movie about the importance of creating and and funding the systems that we need in place to have a functioning healthy society because when you don't uh, you get lots of trains crashing and you get yeah. buses out of control and you get guys yeah. blowing things up exactly <laughs> so that's that's to me what this movie was about but that's also probably because i'm currently reading a book about the private called the privatization of everything so like as you said these are all things that get heavily influenced by whatever happens to be in your mind <laughs> totally when you watch understandable it. yeah so do you, if someone came to you tomorrow and was like, I want to recast, we, we're remaking Speed, we're doing a reboot, who are we casting? Are you in? What are you doing? I Obviously, when you have a movie that has some kind of nostalgic uh, connectivity, you you know, you know hesitate, you balk at the idea of a remake being uh, as good. But yeah. I love the, the, the exploration of this because if you do a movie well, you're willing to do it. There was... Um, I think I read that there was like a, a original draft or, or maybe some version of this movie where it turns out Jeff Daniels was the bomber, Ooh. which I kind of think would be a really interesting twist to throw in okay. if you were to remake this movie and there could be various reasons for it or whatever. You'd obviously have to write it well and, fi and figure out the structure of it, but I thought that would have been an interesting twist. I would love to see like... I don't know who your modern day action star, there's plenty of them, but like mm -hmm. who, who would be, I, anytime you want to throw Michael B. Jordan into a movie, I feel like you at least oh, have yeah. a shot of making it good. I think he could do a really good job of kind of playing this, not the same way that Keanu did, because I think there's a little bit more substance to what we expect from Michael B. Mm -hmm. Jordan. He's, he's done obviously a lot. We mentioned Killmonger earlier, you know, uh, Adonis Creed. Yeah. Like he's got roles that have some substance and some depth to them. Uh, you can make this character a little bit different. Maybe have this character have a little bit more depth. Uh, I would love to see, like, I'd be interested to see, like, Tiffany Haddish in the Sandra Bullock role because I do think you need mm -hmm. somebody who's got that good-natured, wise-cracking ability, and I feel like she could be in that role. I don't think, and yeah. I think she's got, like, some physicality as well. She's done some, like, uh, physical comedy in yeah. some of her movies that I feel like could maybe could translate to some action in this movie. So that kind of, those two characters might... Uh, might be okay. Maybe there'd be some chemistry there too. Um, I'd be yeah. I'd be curious to see it, but I I like the idea of like a Michael B. Jordan being in the in the lead role. Oh yeah, 
I mean, if for no other reason, he's just going to look so good in the white shirt. That, that I'm sure that's part of it, too. Because you're like, thing. you need like, somebody who kind of just looks good in a white T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you, you, that's an important part. So for me, that's why, for my casting, um, I was like, who is the blankest hunk I can think of in the modern era? And for me, that's Manny Jacinto. Oh, my God. Um, what a great choice. A great choice. Isn't he so hot and isn't he so blank? Ugh. Blank. He. That's why you love him on The Good Place. He's just got this kind of weird blankness to him. But the physicality, he's in such great shape. Mm-hmm. He's a dancer. He's an athlete. I've, he, he gets and a little bit more, more jacked at, up. I've seen how he looks at Jane Fonda when he does the protest, when he's gone to the 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 fire or the Fridays, the, the, yeah, the yeah, protest yeah. that they do. And I've seen how he looks at Jane Fonda. And I'm like, if he can, he he can look at anybody this way and it's going to be powerful. And so you got to have a man who can look at a woman like that. And yep. uh, it's going to be, it's got to be Manny. And then for the Sandra Bullock character, it's also thinking of you need someone funny, but you need someone who's also a little sexy and you can do sure. that. And to me, that's Kiki Palmer. Oh my, those are two phenomenal choices. I think that's great. Wouldn't the two of them like, wouldn't she be fun behind the wheel combined with Manny Jacinto being like, okay, here's what you, and then like him holding her in his tender embrace. I'm in. I, two, two very. Those are two people who, who would absolutely two be very, very hot Barbies people. To mash like Manny Jacinto is a very attractive man. Kiki, I don't yeah. know what, I don't know why I didn't really notice. Maybe just cause she's a little bit more out there on social media now than she has been in years past, but Kiki Palmer yeah. can get it, man. She is a beautiful woman and she's really she's funny. She's got a great, like I watching her on SNL. I was like, she's got a great way about she's incredible. her. Incredible. And I th- again, a, enough physicality yeah. to where you kind of believe, like, hey, if she's got to handle a a large LA bus at sixty five miles an hour, I feel like she could do it. So those are two great choices. Thank you. Yeah. No, she's she's incredible. I, I mean, like, uh, there's nothing funnier to me than the moment in Hustlers when they drop the guy off at the ER. And she runs away because her run and she's wearing like this jean. She's wearing the denim swimwear. And it's the funniest <laughs> fucking thing I've ever seen is her just running in denim swimwear and heels like to hide. And she's just the funniest. And I think that she would be incredible in it. And then again, like she would also that Sandra totally. look like sexiness that she just has. That's a great call. Confidence. Perfect for it. So those are my two that I if I'm like, OK, we're remaking it. We're going. I like that a lot. Um, that's who it is. So do you have how many out of five? And you can do partials. You can do like a quarter of a story of a of a building. But how many towering infernos would you like to give this? I, I think four four and three quarter towering infernos is is great for this. Just there's a couple of moments where you have to really like suspend disbelief. You really have to roll your eyes. But I do think that's also part of the experience of disa- any type of disaster action movie. Like you just kind of have to play into it. Uh, like I said, there's a couple of line readings in there. I, I love Dennis Hopper in this. I do think there could have been some interesting choices for like the Dennis Hopper role that might have maybe played it a little bit differently that might have fit really well. And some of the line readings might have been a little bit sharper. But I so that's the only reason I take anything away from this. Otherwise, this is a classic. It's super well written considering the genre. And it's so well paced. And everybody fills their characters very, very well. It's a really yeah. fun in enter- it's certainly entertaining but it's fun like i'm there's never a moment yeah. where i'm not engaged in this movie yeah i mean i'm giving it 5 just purely because like it for a movie that i have heard about for 30 years and i'm coming into it cold and it fucking lived up to it <laughs> and was so fun and was so good and lived up to it despite the fact that like 
the first 30 minutes were not the movie I sure. thought I was going to be sure. getting. Sure, because you, you, you know, don't... I thought I was getting Sandra yeah. Bullock in the first five you don't. minutes. I thought I it's, was... It's yeah. a, that no. also speaks to how good Sandra is because, like, again, you take yeah. away 25... What did you say? 25 minutes before she's even on screen, like... And the, it, it, not even twenty. She's not on screen until almost thirty. The bus, the first bus shows up at twenty five minutes, and that's when he blows up the bus. Oh yeah, you're, yeah, you're so right. You're she right. doesn't even show up until thirty minutes in, and once like the the second bus is established, and she still carries the goddamn film. This movie's inc- like I I am amazed by not just that this movie was as fun as it was, but that this movie, with the hype and with the expectation I had going into it, lived up to all of it and exceeded it. I gotta get that's awesome. I, I'm I'm you know? fully supportive yeah. of that. And again, for a, a near two hour movie, I never felt disengaged from it. You know, like it's 120 <gasps> minutes or something, 115 minutes, whatever it is. I never yeah. felt like it that it slowed down. No, yeah, it's an hour. It's an hour fifty. Hour fifty five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's oh yeah, sorry. I, uh, yeah. It's one hundred and fifteen minutes. Whatever. So I, I said that wrong. But like yeah, no, hour no, hour fifty five, and like it cr- like sorry, speed two. But this movie absolutely cruises to the finish line. It's propul. It's a propul. <laughs> it's a. Pro- it. I did it. You finally happened. It's a propulsive action movie. Absolutely is. Well, okay, Adam, before I send you off and let you go about your evening, um, is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, are you you know anywhere we can find you can we happen to hear you on you know major television networks like what hype yourself up a bit here (laughs) uh we're getting ready for the nfl season to begin so when uh the football season starts up uh, i work as a broadcaster uh for the nfl on fox so i'll do a game every sunday and if it happens to be in your area or happens to be your team you'll get a chance to watch uh, myself and my great crew Uh, i also work for uh fox sports doing major league baseball so we'll we're, we're kind of getting ready for this stretch run here, and we'll get to do one of the American League Division series as well during the postseason. Oh, cool! And uh, if you happen to be uh, a fan of the Chicago Bulls, I work as the broadcaster locally. I, I live and am from Chicago, uh, so if you ever uh, flip on a, a Chicago Bulls basketball broadcast, you'll hear me as well with our uh, our great crew. And having I've only heard the baseball broadcast, but it's always fucking great. So <laughs> if you like any other sports, guys, you are in for a treat with Thanks, Adam. Buddy. But Adam, thank you again so much. And, um, you know, we'll see you soon. And I'll be back next week, joined by Jennifer Prokop of the Faded Mates podcast. We're going to be talking about Night of the Comet, which is going to be a great 1980s throwback. We talk a lot about 1980s fashion and hair um, and mall culture. So come back for that. Also, in case you didn't listen to last week's episode with the Meg of the Meg 2 with Jada Elcock, you can go to disastergirls.myshopify.com and get some great new merch that says No Thoughts, Just Chomp. And all of the profits for that go directly to um, Jada's organization, Miss Minorities in, Sharks, Minorities in Shark Sciences. As always, I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter, uh, although I'm not actually posting on Twitter anymore. Um, and then I'm Amanda Smith on Blue Sky. We are disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Um, and also, oh, Disaster Girls on Blue Sky as well. I have a couple of codes. So DM me if you want a code to Blue Sky. Um, and then if you haven't already, please take a few minutes to rate and review. Give us a five-star rating and review over on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen. And I'll see y'all back next week for Night of the Comet. Bye.